Should we go electric? I think we should go electrified with Toyota. Electrified? Electrified means options. So electrified looks different for everyone. Yup, and with more options for reducing carbon emissions, Toyota is electrified diversified. Learn more about our Beyond Zero vision for the future at toyota.com slash beyondzero. Hi, could I speak to Jim? <laughs> Hi, I'm here. Hi, Jim. You're answering your own calls? Yes. I always answer my own calls because <laughs> I like hearing from people. Uh, welcome to Social Distance, the Atlantic's podcast about the pandemic. I'm James Hamblin, staff writer, and joined by Maeve Higgins, uh, extraordinary writer and comedian mm. and actor. And um, Catherine Wells is away again today, but glad to have you back, Maeve. Thank you so much. We're going to get to this episode, but I've been dying to tell you about the latest Irish news. Yes, yes. I, I understand. You know, you didn't you ask, are, but they, you are the voice of Ireland. That is what you are known <laughs> as. I just think, you know, this is a worldwide terror. That's what COVID is. But here it's having this interesting life of its own because there are these nuns. You know, nuns? I do. Not personally. Okay. But. Right. No, you don't know any that. nuns? Uh, no. Oh. Um, I know none. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you don't make a habit of hanging out with nuns? We'll get into that later. But <laughs> No, wait. Do you understand that they wear habits? No. Th that they wear what? Habits. Their clothes are... Their They're veils called are habits. called habits. Yeah. Oh, that was, oh I, mm -hmm. I, I'm sorry. No, I did not know that. No, listen. We'll edit in this some is... knowing remark. <laughs> um, so anyway, the nuns and COVID in Ireland. So Ireland is under pretty severe lockdown at the moment. You're not allowed to move from county to county. Wow. But some nuns have just been discovered because they put this video online of them performing an exorcism in Dublin, but they're not from Dublin. Oh, and you're mm -hmm. not allowed to do exorcisms outside of your locality? I mean, you're allowed to, but you're just not allowed to break COVID guidelines to go and do an exorcism. It's not an essential service. No. Plus <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a matter for debate, right? I guess. Yeah. If you've been what possessed, happened? you might think this is pretty important. I, yeah, I'm I would consider that right essential. Now. <laughs> yeah. What happened to them? Are they in trouble? Like nothing happened to them. The government was already keeping an eye on them. It's just these two nuns and they're in a group called the Carmelite Sisters of the Holy Face of Jesus. And mm. they um they got in trouble just before the Christmas holidays too because they were selling like potions online that said, you know, if you have a weird thing on your skin or like if you have like a funny looking mole, like buy this potion and it will... <laughs> yeah. It yeah. will fix it. Like, so they're skincare gurus. <laughs> yeah. Imagine Sister Gwyneth Paltrow. <laughs> a, you know, I, I'm familiar with the industry. So the, the nuns were like known to the authorities and then they broke the COVID rules and came and did an exorcism. Also, I should uh, mention, Jim, where do you think they did the exorcism? Uh, I would imagine an old castle. <laughs> You're very close. They did it on the Irish like parliament. Oh. Um, and then they, they had mass in a field afterwards. <laughs> Interesting. And were they exercising COVID or demons at large? 
what they want is to have indoor mass again. So I think they were saying like the government needs to get rid of its demons to allow mass inside again, I think was what their gotcha. ultimate point was. Okay, so it was yeah. a protest. Well, in the US, I could see mm-hmm. there being real issues here with uh, freedom of uh, religion and some people getting very mad at punishing these nuns. What, yeah. Are they being punished or? Punishing. What's the general public take on this? Truly, I don't think anything has happened. It's just been in the newspaper. There's a picture of them. They're like really cute ladies in brown robes and black habits. And they're just like, what? We just make jam and do exorcisms. Leave us alone. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. actually, though, Maeve, speaking of religion and COVID, Mm -hmm. when we talk about People for going vaccine, like religious exemptions have been a huge thing here in the mm-hmm. United States for kids going to school unvaccinated. And I, I, I'm foreseeing some pretty big debates and stuff right. in coming months and maybe years about <laughs> requirements for vaccination and religious beliefs. There's going to be a lot to unpack there. There is. And Jim, like I read your piece about, you know, a COVID vaccinated summer could be wonderful. And I wanted to ask you about population level immunity, because you said really starkly, like no other country has endured so much death and illness. But for all the failures that led to this point, the US does finally seem to be experiencing some protective effects of popular, you know, so could you tell me more about that? Well, the numbers in the U.S. uh, are looking really, really promising. Just cases are Mm -hmm. going down really quickly and deaths are are plummeting because among those cases, you know, the high-risk people are are being vaccinated or have been vaccinated. And then you add to that effects of places that have already been hit really hard where the virus seemed to be kind of burning out, um, at least temporarily, on its own. And then you know, you've got this horizon of warm weather where people could be outside. It's sort of a coalescing moment. And I don't know that it'll last, but where things Mm -hmm. are looking really promising um, for the summer. And I've been just trying to deal with how you, you know, genuinely let yourself be pulled forward by the hope and Mm -hmm. the joy in being able to do things that we couldn't do for Mm -hmm. a long time while not getting complacent and declaring things over or, you know, repeating these same mistakes we've been making for the last year. You know, so many people, as you know, are currently catching and experiencing COVID. And Jim, we get so many brilliant messages from listeners. So I thought it could be really fun to hear from them today. So we're going to talk with some listeners. Does that sound good? Yeah, that would be great. Um, Okay. Honestly, the voicemails we get are my favorite part of this whole podcast. Not that I don't love talking to you, but but yeah. Yeah. You know. Oh. No, that would be my favorite price of talking to you, but to each his um, own. <clears throat> uh, Kevin, can you uh, roll the tape? People, <laughs> people are so different. Um, okay, so we're going to talk to a couple of listeners now. Both have mild cases of COVID at the moment, and they both have some questions about the virus. Now, we often talk about getting past the virus on this podcast, but there are still so many people living through it and they have questions. Yeah. So 
The first caller is a 68-year-old in central Pennsylvania. His name is Patrick and he recently got a mild COVID case and wanted to talk about his immunity and if and when he needs to schedule a vaccination appointment. Got it. Hello, Patrick. Hi, Patrick. Hey, hello. How are you doing? Great. Thank you so much for calling in. Um, how are you feeling? Not too bad, actually. Um, I had a, a fairly mild run of this, and the only symptom I left over is sort of a foggy-headed lightness. You're in, in Pennsylvania, is that right? Yes, that's correct. Harrisburg. Harrisburg. Okay. And what do you do there? Well, I'm retired. My wife is a school psychologist, and we both ran a concurrent infection, essentially. I can, I can give you a pretty concise timeline if, if you want, if that, if that helps. Yeah, please. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was end of January. Uh, in, the, in the vaccine rollout here in this area, Lynn, my wife, was entitled to a uh, first shot. She got her first Moderna shot on the 23rd and showed her first symptoms of COVID on the 29th. On the 31st, she tested positive and went through like a 10-day period where she had mild symptoms. I tested twice negative during that period. On the 13th of February, I started showing my first symptoms, tested positive on the 14th, and then went from there to now. You tested positive on Valentine's Day. I did. (laughs) And you got it from your wife. I did. (laughs) (laughs) Patrick, I'm so sorry. That's quite a gift. Yeah. Um, Yeah. What can I say? <laughs> but you're both you're both doing okay. Apparently so. Uh, Lynn went back to work last week. They basically called her back after ten days. Mm-hmm. Her symptoms have basically disappeared. I have, like I said, this sort of brain fog, lightheadedness that stays with mm-hmm. me. The day after I was tested, my O2 levels started to drop, and the doc that tested me prescribed a sixty milligram prednisone dose. Huh. for seven days. And that seemed to help quite a bit, actually. The, the levels came up to around 95 on the average after that, and then stayed there throughout the duration. Good, good. Well, I hope things continue to improve for you. So you're specifically wondering about vaccination now after having gone through this? Yes, for both of us. I'm wondering about Lynn has already had her first shot. She's due for her second. Should she get it? And I have actually an appointment scheduled on the 3rd of March that I didn't cancel yet. And I've heard several things from two um, primary care doctors. And I'm just curious to see what your take on it is. What's your thought? Well, I'm curious. I never want to contradict anyone's own doctor because everyone has, you know, unique considerations. So what's the gist of what you're hearing? Three months. That you should Mm -hmm. wait. Yeah. The reason was given to me, uh, and I'll quote this, because you would have the immunity, and that is the current guideline. So at least part of that answer has to do with uh, current uh, distribution protocol, I suppose. Ah. So with a lot of diseases, you don't want to get vaccinated right after you've had it because there can be an increased rate of side effects in that if you already have you know, high levels of these, this acute immune reaction going on, and then you uh, get vaccinated, you know, your body could react more strongly than it would otherwise. Um, we don't know yet a lot about how that would work with this vaccine because it's so new. 
and because you know the press of vaccination is so new and i think it's very reasonable to wait that amount of time i doubt that it would be a high risk thing to go ahead and get it but i also would expect that you have enough protection having just been sick that it would be almost impossible for you to get a serious bout of covid in that time that you are protected essentially at least from severe disease so i don't think you can go wrong by waiting that period i wouldn't i certainly wouldn't wait a year um you no. know i wouldn't expect that the immunity that you're going to have after this infection lasts extremely long or is going to be 100% but we're not seeing people have you know reinfection cases really shortly after being sick so i think that should be reassuring what about uh, my wife's case of getting the second shot People seem to be pretty well protected after the first dose. The second dose is yet another exposure to this spike protein, mm -hmm. which you just, um, you know, naturally got. And so in your wife's case, it's almost like she just got her second dose. I don't, you know, they, they're not exactly comparable, but I expect the effect is right. similar to kind of just, it's like your immune system is doing push-ups. And is it better if you do 10 or 20? <laughs> you know, it's... Yeah. You know, Sure, do 20, that's make you stronger. Um, but 10 also is nice. Uh, I, I wish I could be more definitive here. Um, and if there were a serious risk in either direction, I would definitely tell you, but I don't see one. I understand. I'm just like everybody else, just fishing for, fishing for knowledge, basically. Yeah, 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 totally. I love that. Wonderful. Well, thanks. Thanks so much for your question. And I'm glad you're on the mend and your wife too. Thank you, actually, the both of you very much for doing this. I've followed this podcast since the beginning, and it's been quite helpful. Oh, that's great to hear. Mm, it's been so a pleasure, nice. to, pleasure to do, and it's great to hear from you. Yeah. Okay, let us know how things go. Email, please. Will do. Okay. 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 Take care. Take care. Patrick. Take care. Bye. Bye, bye. See you. Okay, you have more than one caller lined up, Maeve? Yes, we are going to hear from Cami in Idaho. Hi, Cammie. Hello, Cammie. Hi. Hi. So nice to speak with you. Thank you for calling. Absolutely. How are you feeling? Yeah. Um, you know, better. As well as, well as I can be expected, I guess, under the circumstances. I definitely don't have it as bad as many people have had it, so I feel very blessed. Well, let's, let's start at the top. What, what happened? What happened? <laughs> <laughs> I like to ask open-ended questions. I, I can see that. Um, <laughs> can you be a little more specific? <laughs> I caught COVID. That's what happened. What brings you here today? What brings you <laughs> here today? Okay. <laughs> well, I caught COVID. Um, no, I... So we moved from just a little backstory, not much, but we moved from Boston to Idaho. And um, to say the least, it's a vast world of difference in how they're treating COVID. And um, we kind of figured it would be inevitable that we would get it. And we have, um, my husband was in quarantine for 10 days. Um, I'm actually in quarantine for 21 days because of underlying health conditions. Um, and my doctor just wants to be on the very safe side, which I appreciate. Um, yeah. And I guess that kind of started me thinking along the lines of, okay, well, 
when we're done with this, what does that mean? I know that we should be just disinfecting when we recover and, you know, just like with any cold or flu, you know, you want to kind of clean and clean your sheets and things. But I'm just like, how much of this is sticking to surfaces and what exactly Hmm. do we have to clean? Um, It made me think also about when the cruise ships came back and they were finding active live coronavirus, you know, weeks and weeks after. Um, Yeah. Go ahead. I want to first ask, you're feeling okay. Is that right? I'm feeling better. Yeah. I'm on a lot of medications. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. A lot Um, of medications, but they're doing their job. So. Okay. But nothing (laughs) that would preclude you from talking to us today. No. Okay. Um, That's great to hear. And your husband is doing okay as well. Yes. He's out of his 10 day quarantine. So he's, he's really tired still like really tired, yeah. but yeah. getting fatigued very easily. But other than that, he seems to be healing well. So you asked about cleaning. So are there other people in your household? No. And that's the thing. It's just my husband and I. Okay. Um, but, you know, we have a new grandbaby and we want to go see her. And I don't want to inadvertently affect her when we infect her, when we go see her, when I go back to work eventually, you know, if there's things lingering on our stuff, we want to be careful. Um, Let's put it that way, because I don't want anyone else to go through this. If I can avoid it for them on their behalf, I want to be able to do that. Absolutely. Okay. Well, this has been a point of a lot of confusion over the course of the pandemic that I and most other people who were making recommendations this time last year um, were much more about surfaces, about hand hygiene, about sterilizing high-touch surfaces. And then over the course of the year, it's really turned out that the virus doesn't linger very long on surfaces. And when it does, it doesn't seem to happen in infectious doses like you're you're just very unlikely to get enough of a viable virus onto your hand after you touch something and then touch your face and infect yourself there are other infections that certainly work that way but you know just because you are able to detect some rna of that virus on you know say a cruise ship doorknob or something that doesn't mean that someone who touched that would get sick uh, it's kind of fine distinction, but we had to play it safe at the time. So we sort of overestimated that and didn't pay enough attention to air. So it seems like surface transmission can happen from touching something, but mm-hmm. it would have to be within a very short period in an area where, say, someone came into your office right after you've been working at a desk for eight hours and then... Um, <laughs> you know, got really, I don't know, for some reason had to put their face onto your desk (laughs) or, you know. um, Or they could wear your your headset with your mic or something. Yes, yes. Um, So really close. Because you wouldn't, uh, I don't know why you would put your head down in the desk unless you just Yeah, no, it's hard to imagine. Some people take naps. Yeah, but I I would have to ask about depression. I was going to say, maybe my desk looks really comfortable. They just want a nap right there. Yeah. But the things of, you know, uh, briefly touching a handrail as you went down a staircase and then someone comes by an hour later and touches mm-hmm. that same handrail, you know, that seems like a, as close to a 0% possibility as possible. And the, the time period in which the virus is persisting on surfaces at all is short enough that once you and your husband are clear of 
needing to quarantine, your the surfaces in your house should not be expected to contain any lingering virus. Um, in the cases where people are carrying the virus for a long time, it doesn't seem that they're infectious for that long. They're that they're not going to infect other people. That you are really infectious during the earlier phases of it. You can't rule anything out. Yeah. But what makes this virus so particularly dangerous is that people are infectious before they develop symptoms often and maybe never even develop symptoms. But then in that tail end, you're not worried about transmission to other people. So when you go out back, you know, out into the world, um, mm-hmm. continue to mask and distance. And if everyone always behaved as though they could potentially be infecting anyone else at any point, you know, we could wipe this out pretty quickly. So that would just be my continued recommendation. You kind of, I'm going to say that you're almost, you're, you're 99.9999999% not contagious. <laughs> almost certainly you're not, but continue to act like you are. That's the same recommendation that vaccinated people are, are getting right now, that you are basically 100% protected from severe disease. Uh, and that should be really empowering. At the same time, it doesn't mean that the virus couldn't land in your airways and hang out there for a little while and you could spread it to people unknowingly even while you feel fine so we all just got to keep 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 acting that way you shouldn't have to stay at home but i just keep being really um really careful and hopefully those guidelines will change once communities are able to get the virus down to really low levels because then not only would you be protected by your immunity but if there was just very low levels of virus in your area, it would be extremely unlikely that you were passing it to anyone unknowingly. So how does that work with like, I was thinking about this with my husband, you know, he quarantined for 10 days. He got it before I did. I guess, should my husband be staying home from work until I'm done with quarantine? I don't think quarantine. No, I, I well, okay. no, that's, <laughs> I, I don't, that's I don't exactly, think so. Yeah. This answer changes a bit. If, if your husband, works or is for some reason unable to follow protocols of distancing and masking he's in an industry where he can do that yeah yeah so so that would mean he should be behaving as though he is contagious even though he's very likely not and but i feel like if he's really good company and cami is stuck inside (laughs) for three weeks (laughs) maybe you should say jim that he does need to stay in with her yeah oh yeah we have been married for 25 years, so, you know, we're... Yeah. Well, but you we probably have company. the nice thing uh, about leaving Boston and moving to Idaho is you have presumably more space so you can quarantine together and, and not want to kill each other. Uh, yeah. No, okay. we've, we've managed, like I said, 25 years without killing each other yet. So, you know, yeah, we might yeah. be able so to last likely to happen more. now, you know. <laughs> But you, you never know, stay know. vigilant. You never know. So um, does that mean I should stay away from the grandbaby even after my 21 days of quarantine? Ooh. Um, no. This is a great <laughs> question. But uh, no, if you're going to see people stay outdoors, wear a mask, don't have prolonged close contact unless this person is in your tight bubble and you're all being really vigilant. But no, there, there's not reason to expect that you're at any increased risk of infecting other people in that period. Okay. Good. I hope this is helpful. I'm sorry if it's not. It was. 
Cami, thanks so much. And I hope you just feel 100% really soon. Thank you. Thank you so much. I so appreciate your guys' help. Wonderful to talk with you. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 <laughs> Idaho. I've never been there, actually. Do you know roughly where it is? Um, I don't know. It's in America, yes. certainly. Yeah. So it's one of the cities, like one of the bigger cities in America. It's one of the, yeah, I would say so. <laughs> uh, but I do know that, uh, you know, once I saw a t-shirt that said Idaho, no, Udaho. Uh-huh. This is a little joke. Which about is inappropriate. Yeah. Being, um, I would cancel that t-shirt. <laughs> well, I'll tell my father he should stop wearing it. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Jim, I, I really think the question that was burning on your mind was you're just thinking about the space of the, in Idaho. And I know that you just dream about like living on a prairie or something because well, you're stuck in a small apartment in Brooklyn. <laughs> yeah. There's, you know, cities were not designed for people to stay in their apartment all day, every day. Mm -hmm. They were designed with all these beautiful public spaces and all this life that's meant to for communing. And it's been a tough time because of that, those spaces. Yeah, I have vivid dreams of just empty space. Well, Jim, I loved your piece about the summer. I urge everyone to read it if they get a chance. You know, it was like what you're talking about. So many of us who are stuck in cities who will get to be outside at least and how things are, you know, looking brighter for U.S. cities this summer. It's really yeah. good. You know, Maeve, uh, we always used to go to Prospect Park when you lived here. And yeah, it is it. just a thriving center of human activity, even on like 30 degree days. People are so eager to get out of their apartments. Um, it's lovely to see the space being used, you know, in the depths of winter. Are you going to, you should set up a little hot nut stall or something. Yeah. You know, I've been selling nuts every day. (laughs) (laughs) In between writing down little ideas for your pieces on notebooks, the rest of the time you're the chestnuts. Yeah. Is that what you sell? I do Mm -hmm. because what, I don't know another kind of nut. (laughs) You know that Prospect Park was a public health (laughs) intervention. It was made as this public health measure as seen at the time of like we need open spaces and mm. air and places for activity and gathering and this was in the mid-19th century and now we're like glad we did that yeah so are those uh big snow geese hanging around the park honking away at the moment it's their time oh, I, I don't know where the geese are but i've not seen any oh the, <sighs> Bahamas, the birds probably. will return well thank you for naming a hen after me if you're so welcome, and she's absolutely doing great. We can't tell which one are the James Hamblin eggs, but they're all so good. You're eating them? Yeah. Oh, okay. There's so many eggs in this house because there's four hens, and as I told you, they're all so happy. They've laid right through the winter. So there's just eggs. Every time I open a different cupboard, there's eggs rolling around in it. So they, they lay when they're happy? I think so, yeah. Uh, yeah. That's a nice idea. <laughs> Why don't you just say you you don't believe me? And I have no say, idea. I don't know nice how these idea. things work. I didn't. I never got <laughs> the talk about hens. <laughs> That's so funny. I can hear you talking to the nuns the same way. Oh, you think that your magic potion will cure cancer? That's a nice idea. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just honestly don't know. I don't. Did someone tell you at some point? Well, Maeve, 
when the hens get really happy, they lay eggs. <laughs> you know, the reason I'm defensive is because I'm pretty sure I made that up. No, it's, it's I, I love it as an idea, honestly. And it's a great way to sidestep any like un, uncomfortable conversations about reproductive physiology. Um, oh probably. My gosh. <laughs> it is. Yeah. It yeah. is a great way to sidestep any uncomfortable yeah. conversations about reproductive physiology. Oh my God, Jim. Well, um, so thanks. Thanks for taking those calls. I think it was just really great to, you know, that you could connect up with the listeners. And I'm, yeah. I'm really grateful to them. I love for it. Calling in call. while they're yeah. sick. Oh, mm. yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's good that we're talking to people with mild symptoms. Mm. Please don't call if you're extremely okay. sick. I can't, you know, provide no. emergency care, but we can try to keep you entertained while you're isolated. Exactly. Um. <laughs> That's about the level. That's the level. Yeah. <laughs> so like the warming weather, longer days, they'll also decrease transmission as well as, of course, all of these vaccines and everybody that's already had it. So like, when do you think things will get fun again? <laughs> Wait, are you not having fun? <laughs> I'm very cautiously optimistic. And I think it all depends on how many people get vaccinated. Uh, for all the talk okay. we hear about, you know, how to navigate certain policies and how to think about variants, if we can yeah. just make sure everyone is on board with vaccination, because really soon I think right. that the supply will outstrip the demand. And mm -hmm. you'll have a lot of people who are, who are just kind of on the fence or unsure, uncertain. And those are the groups that can swing the direction of the pandemic, you know, take us from hovering around 50% vaccination or really getting to something like 90. And when you get to that level, I think you could really comfortably do almost anything. And if we hang out in the 50% range, then it's just constantly hovering over our yeah. heads. And I closed that summer piece on a pretty dark, uh, notion of what happens if we don't think of vaccination as a global strategy, which we've talked the about in, in, few, mm -hmm. in a few episodes here, but that it's really mm -hmm. a big moment for us to build a global coalition that can keep, uh, you know, everyone vaccinated mm -hmm. uh, for this and for future pandemics. When last week, Joe Biden gave $4 billion or pledged $4 billion to COVAX to this alliance that's attempting to help with global vaccination. But uh, it's unclear if that is big enough or really a sustainable system versus just sort of yeah. throwing some money at it in a temporary way. Yeah, you wish that, that, that the US was more ambitious. I think from the experts who I spoke to that were really in a position, yeah. especially this summer, as you feel the energy growing yeah. and it starts to feel like we've made a lot of progress and things are good, um, yeah. that we don't just become complacent and be like, well, that's over. Um, yes, yeah. Because it's it will be time to say, okay, you know what, the US is out of immediate crisis. How do we help those who, who are and protect ourselves from going back into immediate crisis? Um, yeah. And so it just seems like it's a, it's a moment where you could build something really revolutionary, uh, you know, like the, just re-sculpt the paradigm of how we produce and distribute vaccines. And I hope we do that. Brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. I hope so too. <laughs> then I can come back. 
Yep. And then we won't have to rely on exorcisms. <laughs> no, there is supplemental kind of a... <laughs> <laughs> yes, there was still you know? room for supplemental exorcisms, but it will not be essential. Right. Not yeah. essential anymore. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, maybe by yeah. August. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, I have to go, Maeve. Thank you so much for joining okay. me again today. Would you mind doing the credits? You're just much yeah. better at it than I am. Oh, thanks, Jim. Um, Social Distance is produced by Kevin Townsend with help from senior producer AC Valdez. Write to us at socialdistance at theatlantic.com or leave us a voicemail at 202-642-6487. If you like this show and want access to all of The Atlantic's journalism, the best way to do that is by subscribing at theatlantic.com slash support us. Thanks for everything today. Okay. That's really helpful. All right. Thanks. Okay. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. So, should we go electric? I think we should go electrified with Toyota. Electrified? Electrified means options. Yes, we could go all electric with a Toyota BZ4X, but then there are hybrids like Grand Highlander. Or we could do something in between, like a RAV4 plug-in hybrid. So, Toyota is electrified diversified? Yep, and with more options for reducing carbon emissions, the closer we all get to Toyota's Beyond Zero vision for the future. Exactly. How much coffee have you had this morning? Learn more about our Beyond Zero vision for the future at toyota.com slash beyondzero.